In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who has made us his treasured possession by the death and sacrifice of Jesus Christ for us. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I asked at the beginning of our worship service today, what is the most optimistic thing on your to-do list? And we kind of all know that feeling of uh, having something on our to-do list that we agree to do, that we said, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. And then all of a sudden, uh, kind of getting into a situation where you go, uh, well, maybe I can't actually get that done. And that doesn't feel very good. It, it feels like you, you suddenly lack some integrity within yourself. You feel like all of a sudden you, you, you kind of have this bad feeling, like maybe you feel like you're even trapped. And, and, and you have these feelings around having what this is on your to-do list. And you have, you have to make some decisions about that. You know, did you promise this to somebody else or is this just something that you wanted to do? Can you you know, sort of cross it out and say, well, I cancel this, or do you have to excuse yourself out of some things? It, it gets to be one of those moments where we go, oh, uh, how did I even get here? How did I get to a point where I put this on my to-do list? How did I get to a point where I promised this to somebody? How did I get to a point where I have this thing that now I have to deal with and I can't necessarily deal with it by actually getting it done. Well, usually in, in my life, when, when I rewind the tape and, and do that and I say, okay, well, how did I get here? I can usually trace it back to a moment. I can usually trace it back to a moment when I was feeling pretty good, where I was feeling like I had what I needed in order to say yes to whatever that thing might have been. And so uh, may, maybe I, I was in a moment where I felt like I had all of the time in the world. And so I said, well, yeah, I, I, I can get that done. Or, or maybe it was a moment where I felt like, well, I was just super inspired and, and, and that would push me on through this. Or, or maybe it was a moment where I felt like I had a capability that it turns out that I don't really have that capability. But whatever it is, we, we can kind of trace those, those promises and those things on our list back to a moment where, where we felt like we could do them. And we were feeling pretty good about being able to do those things. Well, we, we've got a couple of people that feel pretty good in our readings today. The, the first bunch of people that feel pretty good about themselves are the children of Israel. Here in, in this Exodus reading that we've been assigned by, by the lectionary. And the children of Israel are feeling pretty good because God has just walked them away from Pharaoh. He's walked them away from slavery to a man who thought that he was a god. They're feeling pretty good that they were walked away from that. And they're feeling even better that they were walked away from that by a God who brought them through an actual ocean, an actual sea that they could walk through on dry ground. And now, all of a sudden, this powerful God who can split the seas, all of a sudden has them at the foot of this mountain. And he is telling them things like, 
You are a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a treasured possession. And so the people of Israel are feeling pretty good. The disciples also are feeling pretty good. They've been following around this sort of itinerant rabbi who seemed to pop up out of nowhere, but they're feeling pretty good about that decision because that decision has led them through a whole lot of really interesting moments just within these nine chapters of Matthew that butt us up here. Jesus has done things like he has calmed the storm, he has healed paralytics, he has uh, given all sorts of different manifestations that they're following somebody who is worth following. And so they're feeling pretty good. They're feeling like they've chosen wisely, or at least that they have been chosen into something that, well, that's pretty good for them. And so you have both of these sets of people in this moment where they're feeling pretty good. And on top of that, they they have been told that they are a special people. The people of Israel have been told that they're a special people. They're God's holy nation. They're God's treasured possession. The disciples have been specifically named. This is the first time that the 12 are named in Matthew's gospel. And so they, they probably pick up the freight of that. They probably pick up the understanding of that, which is that they are to be the new tribes of Israel. They are to be the new people that are a beginning of God's new holy nation. And so they feel pretty good. And yet, when we feel pretty good, we have to kind of watch ourselves. Because when we feel pretty good, there, there's this kind of moment this moment where, where we start agreeing to things, right? And that's the case for the children of Israel. The children of Israel all of a sudden say, whatever this God says, we will do. They sign up for whatever God has to throw at them. They just say, what, whatever he says, we've got it. What he said, we will do. And the disciples, they don't actually say anything, but they at least don't offer any kind of, uh, they don't say, well, wait a second, Jesus, you're telling us to go out and do all of this stuff. I don't know. They just kind of take it in and, and without an argument, they go, okay, well, I guess that's what we do now. And so maybe that feels a little bit like when you have maybe overpromised a little Maybe that feels like a moment where, where you have said something, where you, you've come from a place of feeling good, and you've said, yeah, I'll do this. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do that. And then whatever it is comes next. And so for the children of Israel, what comes next is the Ten Commandments, it's something that we as a human race even still haven't been able to figure out how to get done. And for the disciples, what comes next is uh, Jesus gets all of a sudden really dark. And, and he starts telling them how he hasn't come to bring peace but a sword. And then the, the disciples of John the Baptist show up and, and they say that John has been locked away in prison. And they start wondering, oh, is that me too? And all of a sudden you start wondering what it is that you've signed up for. 
You start reviewing the promises that you've made. You start reviewing what you can still do and have just even a little bit of integrity about. Maybe in your world, those are things like your, your confirmation vows. You remember those if, if you were confirmed? Uh, you, if you were confirmed, especially in, in a, a Lutheran setting, uh, the, we, we go through this rite, this, this moment where you promise stuff. You, you say certain things and you say, yes, with the help of God to, to stuff like, will you hold fast to this confession and faith even unto death? And you say things like, you, you promise that you will read the scriptures, you promise that you will do all sorts of different stuff, and uh, probably right after that, you, you start going, what, what did I just promise? And if you're a member of University Lutheran, every time that we install new members, we do this thing called um, a new member celebration. And in the middle of the worship service, we, we bring you up in front of everyone and we make you say things like, yes, with the help of God, to, that you're going to read scripture, that you're going to uh, defend and befriend the people that uh, are, go to church along with you, that are fellow members with you. Uh, you, you make promises that you are going to do things like forgive one another. And yet, so much of the time we, we look back at those promises. And we go, I, I don't have the capability. I don't have the capability. I don't have the inspiration. I don't even... No, sometimes that I have the time to do the things that I, I've promised to do. And, and when we get into those moments, those moments of feeling bad about the things that we have promised to do, well, that's when we, we start to try to wriggle out of things and, and, and we start to sort of justify ourselves. We start to say, well, I could have never done that anyway, so I don't know why you took my promise seriously. Or, or you, you, you say things like, well, when I promised that, what I actually meant was this. Or, or when, when you think about those things, you, you go, well, you, it's unfair that you made me promise those things and you were just exploiting me. And, and we try to wriggle out of this stuff because, well, we love to justify ourselves. We love to get to these moments where we, we try to not feel quite as bad anyway about the things that we've promised and couldn't do. But if we're honest about it, we just kind of have to go back to not feeling real great because we know that we did make those promises. And we know that we can't get them done. And we know that if we made the promise and that we can't do the promise, that we need somebody else to come in and fix that problem for us because it's no longer a problem that we can fix ourselves. It's a problem that we weren't planning on having, but it's still a problem that we have and we need somebody else. And that moment, that, that moment kind of reminds me of uh, Days of Thunder, the, the movie from the mid-90s about uh, the race car driver, Cole Trickle. Um, and, and in the middle of, of that movie, there, there's this great scene 
there, there's this great scene where uh, Cole Trickle and, and Michael Rooker, uh, who is sort of his, his rival in, in all of this racing stuff, they are told that they need to make nice with one another. They, they've been rivals and, and haven't really liked each other, and they've been told that they need to make nice with one another, and they need to go out to dinner together with one another and the, the racing bosses. And so they, they fly them in, and as they fly them in, they're forced to get a rental car. And, and they start to have an argument about who is going to drive from the airport to the restaurant, and they can't get along about it. And so what they end up doing is they end up looking off into the distance, and they see another rental car company. And so they pick up another rental car, and sure enough... Uh, they they each get a rental car, and because they each have a rental car, and because they each are race car drivers, what do they do in order to get to the restaurant? Well, they race one another, and, and they race one another by bumping into one another and, and uh, colliding on, on certain points to the point that when they get to the restaurant, the valet parkers are just like... What on earth do we do with this? Because the, the radiators are, are steaming and parts are falling off of the car. And I always think about that moment when the people at the rental car place, when I go there myself, I think about that moment when the people at the rental car place say, would you like to buy our insurance? And I think, how often has that gone that badly? For the insurance people. But in a lot of ways, that's what Jesus has done for us. That's what Paul is talking about in Romans. That Jesus died for us even while we were sinners. That, that our covenant faithfulness, our promises, that the fact that we don't live up to those things are sins. But Jesus died for us even when we were sinners, even before we made those promises. You see, the amazing thing about who God is and who Jesus is, is that God does have covenants for us. He does have things that he expects of us. He has things that he expects of his disciples. He has things that he expects of his people. And yet, those things, those expectations, are not the things that constitute his relationship with us. His relationship with us is, is constituted simply by his love for us. Our discipleship is constituted simply by Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us. And yes, we, we have these covenants, but the point of the covenant is not to make a relationship, but rather the point of the covenant is to deepen the relationship. Just like in, in the healthy relationships that we have around us, that in, in our married lives, if you're married, you, you, you know this, that uh, the, the thing that makes the marriage isn't necessarily, uh, the thing that, that puts you together isn't the fact that you got up in front of a whole bunch of people and said, I do or I will to a whole bunch of people, but rather that you love one another. And yet you still have that covenant that covenant that you said, I will do this, I, I, I do feel this way. And that covenant deepens the relationship. 
Or, or if you are uh, the, the son or the daughter of somebody, you, you probably grew up with rules in your household, which are covenants. And, and those things didn't make you more or less of a son or a daughter, but rather they deepened that son and daughter relationship that you had with your parents. It told you how you were going to live your life together as a unit. And that's the case for us. We've got these promises that we've made. We've got these covenants that are a part of our lives between us and God. But the fact that we are treasured possessions, the fact that we are a holy nation, the the fact that, that we are a kingdom of priests, that we are included into God's kingdom, which is at hand, that's what Jesus tells his disciples to announce, That all comes from God's grace. It all comes from God's love. It doesn't come from our doing X, Y, or Z, but rather it comes from God who has made us his own. And so you do have things on your to-do list. And you should strive to do them, but you should strive to do them in freedom. Knowing that You can do those things, but that they don't make you any more or less of a son of God. Because Jesus has died for you and has made you his own. May you go into this week recognizing that Jesus has made you his own. And from that, may you go out And fulfill the covenants that you have made with God and with all other humans. Amen.